This is Thoughts from the Metal Cavern, where only one opinion matters, and it's not yours. Where to now for Australia's men's football team, the Socceroos? It's been a disastrous few months, winning only one of their last seven qualifying matches for the World Cup this year, and as a result, failed to make automatic qualification for this year's World Cup. Now they face an uncertain two knockout games against good opposition in order to be in Qatar later this year. But is it a matter of poor planning and response over recent times, with COVID-19 possibly as a reasonable excuse for the downturn? Or has this been a long-term downfall, one that has been seen to be coming, but the hope was that it wouldn't eventuate? Look, to be honest... I'm a novice when it comes to the detailed ins and outs of soccer and its repercussions. But it doesn't take a genius to see just where, on the surface at least, the sport in Australia is still falling down. That's today's talking point on this episode of the podcast where one person's opinion can make a difference. Here on Thoughts from the Metal Cabin. G'day there and welcome to today's discussion. So Australia have finished their qualification period for this year's World Cup and to say that it's been anything but a disaster I think would be underrated. So the last seven games Australia has failed to win more than one of those games. So they won their first three games in their group They then lost to Japan. They drew with Saudi Arabia nil-nil, which left them in third spot there after that first round. So they had to find some wins in the second part, in the second round of the home and away series. They drew 1-1 with China. They defeated Vietnam 4-0. Hooray. They then drew 2-2 with Oman. And this week, they've lost 2-0 to Japan and then 1-0 to Saudi Arabia again. So they finished third in their group of the uh, Asian qualification. So now, to make the World Cup, they have to beat the United Arab Emirates in a one-off game on June 7. And the winner of that game has to play Peru <laughs> to decide on the final spot for the World Cup finals. And what's our record like against Peru? Well, they were in our group at the last World Cup in Russia in 2018. And we lost 2-0. It's an interesting thing because soccer in Australia is still, we're still all casual viewers of soccer, I think, in the long run. And we all want to see Australia make the World Cup. We want to see them play in the World Cup and hopefully progress. But, and we've qualified for all the World Cup finals since that breakthrough in 2006, when Australia's probably greatest ever team was able to make the, the quarterfinals, was it? 
or the, the, the round of 16 at least. So they, so they did so well. But it's really been easy. And even though we've made those playoffs, we haven't really ever extended ourselves beyond that. And it always seems to be the same four things that seem to crop up every time we get to this point of the campaign. And we never seem to be able to find a solution to get beyond that. So, one, our defence always seems watery. Australia has had some excellent defenders over the years. They really have. But it always appears that when we get to the big matches, they sometimes seem to get in each other's way. Or they seem to be out of position and they just allow what seem to be easy goals scored against them in the big games. Now, that's probably unfair and an oversimplification of it. But other teams seem to be able to find a way to get through our defence. Now, it's not the goalkeeper's fault because, I mean, we've had two of the best since 2006 who have more often than not been our saviours in these big games. And originally it was Mark Schwarzer who was just an absolutely brilliant goalkeeper. And then in recent times it's been Matt Ryan who has played uh, in Premier League in England as well and he's been terrific. So the goalkeepers aren't necessarily to blame but our defence just seems to be able to be uh, a bit leaky. Two, our attack is never good enough to score enough goals to win enough games, ever. Now, we had Tim Cahill up the front for so long who scored most of our goals whenever he was playing. And we didn't seem to be able to find anybody else who could come in and help him out and help the load and score goals as well. And since Tim's retired, we are lacking a genuine world-class striker with enough quality ball put through to him by our midfield to produce enough good finishing, to produce enough goals to win these big games. I mean, as, as tough as it is on our defence to say that they need to be able to stop other teams scoring, if we can't score goals, we can't win games. It's as simple as that. And apart from Tim Cahill in the last decade, we just haven't had enough people up front able to be scoring enough goals for us to win games. Now that possibly comes back to point three. And point three is finding the right manager who then has the right plan to help us not only make the World Cup, but then be a force at a World Cup or an Asian Cup. So we started off with Aussie Gus, old good old Gus Hiddink, who was our manager back in 2006 when we finally broke through and made the World Cup finals. Now, following Gus, we had Pim Verbeek, who was our uh, manager, coach, whatever you want to call it in Australia, who got us to the 2010 World Cup finals, and they were in South Africa. And again, our plans seemed not in line with the way other teams were playing in that World Cup. Then we had Holger Osik, who was our next manager, who didn't even get us to the next World Cup. We started getting our asses handed to us 6-0 by other teams just before that World Cup, and he was sacked. And then we had Ange Postacoglu come in, who was an Australian, who'd been a very successful Australian coach, and he took us through to the 2014 World Cup, 
where, again, we were unable to win a game, but we scared the crap out of the Netherlands and really seemed to stick it up to them. And then we, of course, won the Asian Cup the next year. But before the next World Cup, the one that he'd been booked to take us to in 2018 in Russia, he was shown the door because our qualification period hadn't been good enough. And then Bert van Marwijk came in and he changed the way Ange had been doing it. Ange had been having three at the back and and Bert brought in four. And we never seemed to get out of first gear in that whole World Cup in 2018. We are just sitting around in the midfield, not scoring and conceding enough that we'd keep losing these games. And since then, we've had Graham Arnold come in, another one. Another Australian coach has had a lot of success at domestic level. And now, of course, (laughs) after the last week, his head's on the chopping block. So is it the plans of these managers that are not allowing us to do our best in World Cups, or is there a different reason? Point four, our A-League is still not becoming the breeding ground and the excellent competition it needs to be for Australian football to go forward. To be honest, at the moment, it feels as though football is going backwards in Australia again. Now, again, I haven't been, in the last two years, probably in the COVID period, I haven't paid as much attention to the A-League as I probably did before that. And the fact that it's changing stations and free-to-air is not really there available is part of that. But it just feels like all the excitement that we used to have about uh, Australia making the World Cup and the A-League starting and and the quality of teams and players we had in the A-League, that seems to be going backwards. I could be wrong, but that's just my feeling. So what's the answer? I don't know. (laughs) I'm no expert. Look, uh, I think we need to take out of the equation making this World Cup. Now, if we make this World Cup, that's fantastic. If we can win the next two games and make the World Cup finals, that's brilliant. But there needs to be some tough decisions made uh, as to where Australia needs to improve and how to go about it. And that's in all areas, players, managers, competition. Whether we make the World Cup or not, these decisions have to be made now and they have to start being followed through because we've got the Asian Cup coming up again. And then we've got to start looking, thinking about four years down the track for the next World Cup. Now, it always seems to be that we're thinking of these things in four-year periods, but we absolutely need to improve the standard of the A-League and do something about that. Now, I don't know what that is. I really don't. But something has to be done about that. We have to find a way to not only improve our players who are coming through, but get them playing high domestic competition here and overseas to improve their play. And then we've got to find a manager who not only gets on with the players, gets on with the uh, administrators, gets on with the Australian public, but also has a decent bloody plan for how teams are going to play so that we don't just sit in the midfield and not be in have our destiny in our own hands and allow teams to dictate to us. I know you've got to have good players to play attacking football and be an attacking team. But Australian teams in all sports have always been attacking. We've always looked to win. Not to draw, not to hold out the opposition, 
but to go out there and win. Now, maybe that's against what uh, the thoughts of international managers are, but we need to find someone who wants to take that mindset, and then we need to find the players who want to take that mindset into the games with them, and we need to mould them into a team that can do that for Australia. Because for me, that's what we have to do if Australian football is going to improve. The simple answer at the moment in regards to this World Cup is that it just doesn't feel like we have the quality or the depth of player to be serious contenders for any of these tournaments. And look at it. If Italy are missing their second consecutive World Cup, then what hope does Australia have? We need to rebuild for the next Asian Cup and find a way to go forward from there. So ends today's episode of Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. Hopefully it will have given you something to consider and discuss among your own group of enthusiasts. And don't forget, if you have any thoughts on this topic or any other topics raised on other episodes, feel free to drop us a line or a voice message at our website. It's at anchor.fm forward slash metal cavern. Thanks for tuning in and hopefully you'll be back for the next riveting episode of Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. You have been listening to a Metal Cavern production.